Hey guys, it's Danielle here, and you're listening to the Unbranded Lifestyle Podcast, the podcast for all things lifestyle, wellness, and business. So grab yourself a coffee, get comfortable, and join the conversation. Hi everyone, so I'm here today with Justine from It Just Flows Calligraphy and today we're going to be talking a bit about what calligraphy is and also how it integrates with community and also social change. So Justine has been doing calligraphy for about how many years now? Let's see, it's been, she started when she was eight years old, but without further ado, I'll let her tell you the story herself. So welcome, Justine. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. We've had a lot of good conversations so far, and I'm looking forward to this one. Yes, totally. Um, so I know that we basically met pretty randomly. Social media, some random rabbit hole. <laughs> some random rabbit hole, I still remember. It was probably through Instagram or Facebook when I saw some of your beautiful calligraphy work. Thank you. And I know that you really specialize in brush calligraphy, and you've been doing that to really do things with it to change the world. So maybe you can give me a background about how, how did this all start and what happened when you were eight years old? All right. Well, I think for a lot of calligraphers, I've heard the story how they had their own need of doing wedding calligraphy, and that's when they started. So there was a very clear start date. My story has many different little snapshots and moments. Uh, I started when I was eight. I grew up in a home where I had a mother who was very creative, is very creative, and she was always taking classes. And I was always entertaining myself at the pottery studio or at the fabric store. She would spend two hours shopping, and we would just make you know, make believe and play imagination while we were killing time. And so my mom bought me a calligraphy Schaefer pen set when I was eight. You can still buy the kits in the store at Staples now. And it comes with a little exemplar, which is just the the basic strokes and teaches you how to do the alphabet. And so I just taught myself Roman Italic was my first lettering style. And that was when I was eight. And I also, at that time, I had a grade three teacher who for our cursive practice in our classes, he gave each student a fountain pen, a ballpoint fountain pen. And so I fell in love with pens also at that point, and I took the pen home and I started to dance. I wasn't even writing on paper with it. I was dancing, drawing huge letters in the air with the <laughs> pen, and I dripped ink all over my mom's beige carpet, much to her horror. She was actually very gracious about it, and she didn't scold me. So maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> I didn't get scarred from that experience. So anyway, so that's when I first started doing calligraphy. Mm -hmm. But I probably didn't really, I mean, I always loved art class, but I didn't really pursue calligraphy, not until I was an adult and I started taking a couple of classes out of interest. And I actually had a bad experience with my first adult class. It reminded me too much of Chinese school where you're just learning, just writing rows and rows and rows of letters and strokes. And I was kind of bored with that. I wanted more of the creative process, bored with the technique. And so I actually dropped out of that class. <laughs> but uh, what ended up happening was I did take a couple more classes, but back then it still was very like, Special. I would only do calligraphy maybe once a year, twice a year, maybe, because it would be this huge production to do a project and pull out all my art supplies. So it really wasn't a regular part of my life until I actually had this kind of watershed moment where I kind of declared and realized, hey, 
I am a calligrapher. And so the way that story goes is that I actually had a very pivotal experience that lasted for about three years where I burnt out. Mm. And so in my 20s, I had lived my life very, make the most of every opportunity, maximize every opportunity that you have. And I was a social butterfly and I took every class that I could and, you know, just did all kinds of stuff. And so eventually I burnt out from that. And so when you you burn out, you kind of lose your sense of identity. You question everything about yourself. And so I questioned whether creativity was even, was that just something I was that too much of my identity to the world? Who am I anyway? So for three years, I wandered in the wilderness. I didn't really do anything at all. And then I slowly started to pick up my writing again, so writing blog posts. And so a, a editor, a friend of mine, invited me to participate in this writing challenge that was being done. And one of the assignments on day two or three was to get rid of all of the the labels of I'm an aspiring writer, I'm a wannabe writer, and all of those qualifications that kind of take away from the title. And so you're supposed to declare, I'm a writer. And so I started to write the blog post and I realized, I'm not a writer. Writing is so painful for me. (laughs) And I realized, no, I am a calligrapher. That's what I kind of identify as and that's where I see myself spending my time. So after that declaration or that intention happened, then I started to practice a little bit more. People started to associate me with calligraphy and give me opportunities or invite me to do different things for them and so it kind of really took off from there that's really awesome i mean i think the identifying part with yourself and what you do and also just um, really realizing that it's about who you are versus just the doing part is so important how you highlighted that and that's three years of discovery. I feel like it's something that I went through myself too, mm-hmm. where there's just this time where you don't want to do anything because you've basically lost sense of who you are and yeah. you put your identity in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice to hear that from someone else who's gone through it. And I know that the name, it just flows. It's partially your name and your sister's name, right? Is that how it happened? Like, yeah. Did you just come up with this name? or? Yeah, so it just flows... It's kind of, I've always been a bit of a crafty entrepreneur, so I sold greeting cards to my grade four classmates, and I made rubber stamps out of styrofoam tra- meat trays, and I sold them to the my also unsuspecting classmates at the was time. This in a high school in, time? No, this or? is elementary school, actually. I was selling stuff already at that point in time. Uh, I sold wow. hand-lettered cake flags to to my mom's friend and lick and stick address labels for my high school pen pals. Um, so really, it, it, it just flows at the beginning conception was a was my idea as the bossy little sister to have a creative company between my sister and I. So she, she does photography and doodling and cartooning. I At that time, I was doing graphic design and cards. So there wasn't even any calligraphy involved in that at that time. And so we would do wedding invitations that were kind of very creative way before Etsy and DIY. That's the kind of stuff we were doing back in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And so at the earliest conceptions, that, that was what It Just Flows was. But then when we got older and my sister developed more of her vision to be to pursue her photography and videography, we and then I wanted to do calligraphy more, we decided to split ways. And so we had a discussion about who should keep the name. Because it was, it was her email address and I didn't want to take it from her and so we really brainstormed to see if there if if it just flows was the best name for her or for me and so 
she decided to go the route of most photographers, just using her name. And then it just, the flows part really ma- matches, seems to match the calligraphy and the ink part of it. So I ended up keeping it. So her name is Flo, right? Yeah, Florence is her name. Florence, yeah, okay. So Flo is a short name for her name, and then Just is the first part of my name. Well, that's, that's really cool. I really like how that works out. And it's really rare to find something that works out so well. Yes, yeah. Like yeah. two people's names that actually fit well together. Like right, if yeah. I already put my name and my husband's names together, we don't actually make anything that makes sense. Right, right. And, <laughs> so. and we were early enough that nobody took it online, right? So sometimes yeah. you might want the name, but somebody else has it already. So Yes, it's always claiming that domain name. That's right, that's right. First. So I know that you're very passionate about that and you started so young and especially with the meat trays the styrofoam meat trays (laughs) I think that's like the cutest thing ever I mean I remember I had a friend in elementary school who started her stamping uh, interest Mm -hmm. with rubber erasers so she would carve them yes 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 so I think that really reminds me of um, her creativity and both your creativity is like just so uh, it's so amazing that it's just simple tools we have lying around that we use to yeah. express ourselves. I think that's what creativity is, is being able to connect dots to ideas that you might normally not associate together. Mm-hmm. So meat trays or erasers, we did that too, right? Yeah. <laughs> and just putting the idea together and just trying it out and sharing it with other people. Yes. And also, like, since on the uh, topic of that, like, because calligraphy is such a broad, like, topic and a lot of people related to creativity mm-hmm. and some people claim that they're not creative or not mm-hmm. artsy but mm-hmm. I know you have a different perspective on this and you told me that it doesn't mean you have to have nice handwriting to do calligraphy so can you elaborate why that is so mm-hmm. I think that calligraphy even though I've been doing it for a long time on and off I never really pursued it because I thought oh I'll be a graphic designer because that's what I can do and I think I wish I would have discovered it earlier almost in in really owning it because calligraphy in the last maybe two or three years has really exploded. And I personally think it's a bit of a response uh, against the the over-technical, over-curated world that we live in nowadays of technology and social media and all of that craziness. So I, I love the personal nature of handwriting and hand lettering and calligraphy. So even if I were to teach the same 10 people how to do the strokes a certain way, each hand is going to produce a unique look depending on how they're holding the pen and just their their particular style will come into it. And Mm -hmm. so when I do workshops, particularly with low-income residents uh, who are struggling with mental health issues or women in recovery, for example, I take a completely different approach there because they, they, they're thinking, oh, I can't do this. And a lot of people think of calligraphy as very perf- perfect. Yeah. And, and wedding calligraphy, for example, and certain kinds of calligraphy, it really is about the form and the technique before you can get creative. But in these other contexts, it's actually, for me, about more about affirming the person and their uniqueness. And so I don't even spend any time on technique there. It's mostly just creative exploration and just cheerleading people on in terms of affirming the uniqueness of their style. Um, and a lot of what I do too in my workshops is all about creative exploration and there's no calligraphy please allowed here. And it really is, there. it's a, it's a process of growth. And what progress. about people, like what about uh, people like for some of our listeners who feel a little bit intimidated to try out something so artsy right and they already tell themselves they're not like artsy people right 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 right. what would you tell them so they can like get started yeah I think that a lot of it is the mindset right and so in my introductions in my 
workshops, I try to get everybody on the same page in terms of we're here for fun, we're here for exploration, we're here for relaxation, making some new friends and connections. And there's something about calligraphy that is really, it slows you down. It's not, so I say if you have bad handwriting, it doesn't matter because if you can draw a line and a curve, you can do calligraphy because it's really about, you've taken one of my classes, it's very one letter, one stroke at a time. And really at this point, I I provide practice sheets. So that means that you get some training wheels and you can just trace the letters and there's something even just relaxing about doing that so you don't have to look stare at a blank page and try to come up with something you can there's space for that in my workshops uh, but you don't have to start there and then the other thing I like to do in my workshops is to build collaboration so I might get you to sketch five different ideas for a particular word and then you have to trade with two other people and they will do your word too and it and it comes out so different and I've had people give me feedback on that exercise and how freeing it is for them to realize they have something to offer other people and there's so much diversity in what we come up with in our in our unique creativity. Mm-hmm. And I find that it's also very therapeutic too, just to draw strokes and not worry so much about the perfection side of it or perfecting it. Yes, so you could even just draw things that aren't even letters. Uh, There was actually a friend of mine who's quite anxious person. There's a lot of stuff going on in her life naturally. So she finds Netflix kind of zones her out, dramas stress her out, reading books are too stressful too, requires too much brain energy. Coloring is stressful because you got to pick the colors and all that. And so I had suggested, because she has good penmanship, I said, why don't you try calligraphy? And she found it was actually very relaxing because then she just focused on certain words and she would just repeat those words over. So I've actually thought about developing a line of practice sheets or workshops that focus on this idea of calligraphy and being told what to do. Some people just, it's too much to come up with what words to write. And so to have a little bit of direction and, and uh, some, dire- some prompts on, on what to write mm-hmm. can be helpful for people too, I think. Yeah, definitely. I was on, oh, I want to talk about the, what you mentioned lightly earlier about how it helps with mental health and how you volunteer and then you also work with people who are in recovery homes. So I know that you mentioned to me a little bit about how people in Vancouver specifically, we struggle with loneliness and depression. So that is also very much mental health related. Mm-hmm, so definitely. how do you see um, calligraphy you know, as something that's useful for building community and helping people make some connections. Right. So one of my taglines that I've settled on for now until it shifts again is everything that I do, try to do in whether it be an Instagram post or a workshop or a practice workbook is to cultivate heart change and also catalyze social change. And the two are connected. So I believe that every interaction that we have with other human beings and with ourselves can either heal, be healing, or it can be harmful to Mm. ourselves, to other people, to the world around us. So the two I see is very connected. So for example, if I'm living a really harried life, I'm very disconnected from myself. I'm disconnected from my spirit, from my purpose, from the people around me. So this mode is of living is more living reactively to life, just surviving, not really seeing people around me. Or worse, I'm actually using people then. I'm working out my negative emotions and my stress on them. And this to me is living out of a spirit of fear 
and of scarcity. And so I don't have enough time to give to anyone else because I've just got to protect myself. And that's, that was kind of what led a little bit to my burnout, I think. I didn't really value myself enough to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. But in contrast to that, I think that when I am properly practicing self-care and I am conscious of what's going on in my heart, I'm intentionally tending to it, filling it up. So that could be that could be different for other people too, right? For the things that fill up my soul or deep connection uh, to my spirit, to God, through journaling, calligraphy, prayer, um, whatever it is for, for someone else. The, the point is all of these types of activities that fill your soul tend to be the things that require you to slow down and to be intentional and to pursue those things. Mm-hmm. And so that is more of a spirit of faith and abundance, I would call it. And so when my heart is full and when I can care for myself with compassion, then I am able to have room in my heart to see other people, to see the pain that they have and the needs in the world around me. And then I can respond with compassion and connection. Um, so I think it really takes margin and space, space and slowing down, lack of speed, to really live in that kind of a way, to really be able to listen to other people and to respond um, to what's going on in our hearts and to what's going on around us as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like how you talked about cultivating heart change because, like you mentioned, it's changing ourselves from the inside first mm-hmm. before we explore and give all of ourselves to what's happening on the outside with other people. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't tend to ourselves, like you say, then we ourselves are going to either break down or we are not able to sustain helping somebody else. Right. It's like the oxygen mask, right? When you get yes. on an airplane, that whole thing of you got to put your own mask on before you can help somebody else with theirs. And I think you, when you mentioned earlier about Vancouver particularly, we do live in a world that is getting faster and faster. And Vancouver is actually, I can't remember, it was a couple years ago, we ranked the highest for being the most social media connected and the most technological. Like we have, we have Hootsuite and Microsoft, Amazon, there's all these companies, TED Talks, they all come up here because we're known for that. Mm-hmm. But ironically, we're also not heart connected. And Vancouver Foundation did a study about three or four years ago asking community leaders what is the most social pressing social problem in Vancouver and they were unanimous in saying or a large number said it was actually loneliness and so that's Vancouverites leaders of communities who are trying to build connection saying that that's actually one of our biggest problems as a city and so the more unhappy and disconnected we are um, there seems to be this that disconnection between that and what we see on social media versus what's really going on in our lives, right? So that vicious cycle, I think, of comparing ourselves to other people is is perpetuated. And so I lo- in a lot of my stuff, I try to... There, there's kind of messiness in, involved in my calligraphy as well. And when I write captions and content, I always try to kind of unfold the layers of what's going on in my heart. So I the other day I wrote a post about, for all the talk I speak about world changing, when it comes right down to it, Sometimes I really struggle with wanting to extend care to the homeless guy and treat him like a normal human being and look him in the eye because I'm too busy and I'm too stressed out myself mm-hmm. or whatever it is, right? And so I try to be honest and real about those things too because if we don't recognize the obstacles or what's going on, then for sure we're not going to be able to take a step forward mm-hmm. beyond that. So, And I think people are really hungry for connection with each other um, and ultimately connection for themselves. So like when I find myself scrolling through social media, like not paying attention and suddenly like an hour or two disappears, 
it often leaves me feeling more uneasy and it's usually because I'm kind of unsettled in my spirit already and what I really need to do is actually unplug it's the opposite mm-hmm. and reconnect again doing all those other things I had mentioned and so I I think social media creates this false sense of connection with people um, and we want to be seen we want to know that we matter we want to know that we count and that our lives make con- can make a difference in somebody else's life, right? Mm-hmm. And so, unfortunately, social media can be set up in such a way where it triggers the comparison thief that robs you of joy and, you know, and you feel left out and all that crazy stuff. So that's where I try to do the best I can online, but then I also ultimately am trying to connect people in real life as well to show up for an event yeah, and to be seen and, and to be known in that context too mm-hmm. and get messy together, right? So Totally. Yeah, so I've taken one of your classes and I found it was really refreshing to just be able to sit there and not just do my own work but get to know the people around me mm-hmm. who are sitting across from me beside me and it's not a very competitive um, environment it's good because everybody has their own uh, way of doing their calligraphy and we're all at different levels mm-hmm. and it's a very comfortable environment to just explore and I really enjoyed it it was very it was different than just being online because also from mm-hmm. coming from a design background right, yeah. You know, I'm always just working digitally. So mm-hmm. exploring with just the basics again of like holding like a brush or a pen mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. so uh, refreshing. So I know that your work really involves um, a lot of things that I guess it started from impressions in your life from mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. that enabled you to really want to cultivate heart change and impress upon some very important issues. Uh, What would you say are some of the more important social issues that you've impressed um, onto your calligraphy to express that? And why, you know, why did you choose these issues? Mm -hmm. That it's funny, because when you you're going through life, you don't you sometimes things 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 that you do or you pursue are random or the things that find you are random. But I find the older I get, there's more and more connections of there was nothing wasted really before. Even if you do something terrible and you hated doing that job or that career and you change careers, it was still a pivotal thing to have had that experience, right? So for me, one of the early influences for the, well, I guess half of my life, 20 years of my life, an influence that was important to me was I was just graduating from university and I'd taken part in a volunteer missionary city mission kind of a trip Mm -hmm. and we were just working with about 10 to 15 different soup kitchens and nonprofit organizations in the downtown east side and actually throughout east vancouver as well and so that kind of began to to give me a broader experience of working with all ages of people kids to older people uh, from different backgrounds, kids who are in a sports league that couldn't afford to normally pay to be a part of a sports league, women in recovery, um, sailors, you know, from the Philippines who are lonely and off, you know, hanging out in English Bay. Uh, it was a broad range of people that we interacted with. And it really formed the way that I learned how to interact with people and to see people and the power of story and really just listening to their life story and finding that we're just all struggling with the same things. And often I would see myself in them in similar struggles, but different circumstances. And there's a lot of courage to be gained as well and inspiration, just listening from listening to and learning from other people as well. And so that has formed my 
the way that I kind of look at other people. And I also was part of a church and spiritual community that was very, that is very outward focused in terms of how can we not just be of service to people around, but what are the ways that we as a community or me as an individual can uniquely connect with people using my gifts. And so it was in that community that I met a couple of key contacts. I'm still friends with them now. They're not part of that community anymore. But one of them was um, director of Servants Anonymous, and they have been fighting human trafficking for 30 years now. So they've been doing it way before it got popular. Mm-hmm. And they are really have a long-term recovery model in helping get women off the streets. And so there's that population. Then there was another connection of a manager that works with More Than a Roof Housing, which is the largest Christian nonprofit housing provider, social housing provider in BC. Mm-hmm. And she invited me to come do some workshops with the folks in, in some of their buildings, whether some of the, I just did a group with seniors and then, but the first group was just kind of single adults. And a lot of them struggle with mental health and, and just needed some help to, to get their lives started again. So what, what I loved and learned about working in that context is that calligraphy gives you then a bridge to be able to just hang out and chat and get to know people's life stories as well. There's that life story piece again. Yeah. And really just the power of listening and holding space and to hear somebody else's story who's normally marginalized and looked down on. And the other piece of it too is writing, helping them to write positive words. Because I think a lot of their backgrounds are, they've heard messages. I mean, not just them, but we all struggle with messages that we heard we or we thought we heard from our parents or what we didn't hear. I grew up in a typical Asian background where there was no pos- very little positive affirmation because you don't want your kids to grow up with a big head. <laughs> I get that. I understand that. But the, the reverse effect was that I was starved for affirmation. I, I knew that my parents loved me. They were immigrant parents, so they worked hard and they provided and did all. That was the way they showed their love. And so I knew they loved me that way, but I never heard the words. Mm. And so when I see, that's where I kind of came up with the idea of pra- doing practice cards in my workshops to be able to give those messages of encouragement to give courage to different people and because I know I I mean I've got a stack of cards that I keep you know of meaningful cards and words that people have written to me and so I know that those words go a long way to lifting someone's spirit when they're down maybe and so there's been that connection over the years cool so that's yeah uh, the whole thing about words being so important because it is possibly somebody's love language like it is Mm -hmm. yours it's also Mm -hmm. mine Mm -hmm. and um, especially growing up in the Asian culture uh, upbringing it's very as rarely that they would say anything to affirm their love Mm -hmm. rather it's more about just making sure you're fed and making Mm -hmm. sure you're provided for Mm -hmm. which is also very important Mm -hmm. however um, yeah I mean some of us connect better with words Yep. And some of us connect better with acts of service. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's great to have a variety. Mm-hmm. And it's great that the community and environment that you create uh, is able to help facilitate that. Mm. So I really want to ask you one last bonus question because you talked a lot about cultivating heart change and connecting calligraphy with community and how that can impact mental health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you touched on a lot about loneliness, depression, and just overall how we're so wrapped up in our social media, Mm -hmm. like especially in this high-tech city, 
Um, but what would you, in your definition, like how would you define um, health and freedom? Wow. <laughs> That's a big question. That's a good one. How For would you. I define health and freedom? I guess, yeah, going with the theme that I was speaking of earlier, being able to be fully connected with yourself. So this idea of wholehearted living. Mm. So that means being connected with both the positive stuff that's going on in your life and in your heart and also the negative stuff and not repressing it so that it comes out in other nasty ways. So I think that that is a big part of it. And so when we're living out of that place where we're connected, not just with our own emotions, we can then connect with what's going on around us. And we can see other people's pain and their needs as well. And and then we can actually do something about it. We can respond to them. So I think, oh, sorry, defining health and wellness, sorry. Um, what does health and freedom mean to health you? Health and freedom, yeah. Yeah, so freedom, freedom from the tyranny of myself and my survival and my stresses and the crazy stuff that goes on in my head all the time so that I can actually be paying attention to God around me, to other people around me, and to the world around me. I think that really, that is freedom, yeah, being mm -hmm. able to be physically well enough, emotionally and mentally well enough and connected enough to be able to realize that I have a place in the world and something to offer to the world. And helping to other people to do that as well is obviously part of what I, a big part of what I'm trying to do. Awesome. Thank you. That's very thought-provoking. I love it how you mentioned all the different prongs of health in terms of spiritual, mental, and physical, and finding freedom through being connected yourself first. So right now, I want to encourage all you listeners out there to check out Justine's work. Uh, her work is just amazing. It attracted me to her stuff. And when I saw the social media stuff that she's been doing on Instagram and Facebook, so I really recommend you guys check it out. Uh, if you're on Instagram, check out at It Just Flows. And if you are interested in getting more, in, uh, more information about her workshops plus meetups, go to itjustflows.ca and you will not be disappointed. She has a whole gallery full of stuff there that you'll just be so inspired to dig through. So thank you guys all for listening. And I just really want to thank you, Justine. Thank you so much, Danielle, for doing this and doing it out of passion to start this podcast to help other people. Thank you so much for being here.